I'm Jeff Potma from uh, the Bain Institute for Clinical Research and Cardiology Now News, and it's my extreme pleasure to be with a colleague, friend, uh, Campbell Rogers. Um, Campbell was my boss, I, we were figuring out 10 or 12 years ago, uh, and the cath lab at the Brigham Women's Hospital, um, phenomenal uh, clinical interventionalist. Um, had a couple of um, gigs after that with Chief Technology Officer for Cordis and now with HeartFlow. And Campbell, we're here to talk about coronary flow reserve. And as you know, I kind of grew up in the quantitative angiography world. We spent hours and hours 25 years ago of trying to calculate the coronary flow reserve off our quantitative angiographic measurements. And now you have a tool that actually do it much more simple. Simple in some ways, perhaps, but the uh, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity and for this opportunity to get back together. Right. It's wonderful right. to see you. It's wonderful to see you. So what, now what, how you, you, maybe from a simplistic perspective, you can explain as a knuckle-dragging interventional cardiologist like myself, um, what you do with the CT scans, how you can use the CT scans to both predict the absence of disease and the presence of disease, and then what's your vision from heart flow in terms of how we're going to be using this in our clinical practices? Sure, you bet. So one of the most important aspects, and you touched on it, is the role of cardiac CT and cardiac CT angiography. And even for a former interventionalist, it is humbling to see today the fidelity of coronary anatomy, which can be rendered with good quality yeah. cardiac CT. It's just incredible. The Not just luminology, but also plaque. It's really remarkable. And that's a core incoming sort of raw material for what we do next, but it is important to realize that that cardiac CT those cardiac CT images are in and of themselves increasingly recognized as really important clinical tools. Uh, and if you look at use and the way people are using it now, uh, in some cases, in lieu of alternative non-invasive testing, is for really good reason. And they're good. We data used to be luminologists, that. right? When you were in the cath lab, we would look at a vessel and say, "Oh, that's tight." And the next right. thing you know, we'd have a stent in. And then we yeah. learned from all of the flow reserve studies that we could put wires down. And it wasn't so much the right. vision of the arterial stenosis, but it was what the physiology was. We had to go to the cath lab for that. But now you have some tools right. that you can do it in a non-invasive way. That's right. So with cardiac CT showing luminology and plaque, the way, in, in many ways akin to what can be seen in the cath lab, the next step, of course, is, as you've said, that's half of the information. It's really important half. The next half is the physiology. Is mm -hmm. the FFR, in this case, relative to a stenosis, actually at a level which data would suggest outcomes are better if you treat it with revascularization than not? And as you said, traditionally that's measured in the cath lab. It's measured around the world now in cath labs. And we have an alternative approach, which is to take cardiac CT images, which come to heart flow. We then perform an analysis. This is after they've been read by the mm. reading physician and render back to clinicians the fractional flow reserve data, which is available throughout the coronary tree. And you're able to go in on a laptop or actually on a mobile device on an iPhone and say, okay, throughout the coronary tree, what are the FFR values? Point and click and, and then have that as part of the decision making, should, A, should this patient go to the cath lab, and B, when I get to the cath lab, which are the vessels most and lesions most likely to be causing lesion-specific ischemia, which can then help inform approaches in the cath lab, of course. So now I want to drill on a couple specific pieces of it just so everybody will understand. Um, you go into the C CT scanner. Is there any drugs that are given during the CT itself to enhance the coronary flow reserve, and what are those, and, and is it complicated for most centers to perform? 
Great. So, wonderful questions. The short answer is we don't induce hyperemia in the CT scanner. That is not a requirement. Wow. Unlike measuring fractional flow reserve in the cath lab, where for FFR, one does need adenosine or some other inducer of, hyper, of hyperemia. In the CT scanner, there are a couple of things that are usually done just for good quality CTA, and they include heart rate control, often with beta blockade, and epicardial vasodilation with uh, sublingual nitrates. But those are standard for most good quality CT. If you look at the guidelines for how to do a good cardiac CT, those are included, or at least those principles are included. Nothing beyond that is required. We just need good quality CT angiograms. Again, they come to heart flow and then results come back within a few hours uh, with the FFR information. So the second question I've got, so it sounds like it's incredibly easy and much easier than a stress test would be, for example, particularly somebody who can't necessarily exercise. The second question I've got is the pictures are phenomenal. But what validation studies have been done to say that these pictures and the numbers we have correlate with what we see in sure. the cath lab? Yeah, sure. So our clinical trial journey began with exactly those studies. And we did three studies with sub, uh, uh, three iterations of the technology, the final one leading to our FDA approval, which is the current technology on the marketplace. Now, that was the HeartFlow NXT trial, and it showed overall accuracy of 86%. Wow, wow, uh, wow. Balancing specificity and sensitivity almost exactly the same. Uh, and that's where it stood. Over time, we expect that will continue to improve as our segmentation becomes more precise and uh, as the technology advances. But for today, what's published and what's in the in the FDA label, if you will, is, is at that range. Those are pretty phenomenal. Those are pretty yeah. phenomenal numbers. I'm not sure my eye is that good. I'm not sure that that's that's that that's a pretty that's a very good number. Now, how then do you view um, this technology being incorporated into practice? Say I'm a cardiologist. I've got a middle-aged man or woman in my office. They have something that sounds like typical symptoms, but I can't sort it out. What? what how? How do we incorporate heart flow into that algorithm? Sure. Yeah. So the first step, of course, is a cardiac CT angiogram, and the question would be in the in the patient you're describing. If he or she has not had a prior non-invasive test, the next step would be to okay, you need a coronary CT. If that coronary CT angiogram is negative or shows only right, minimal right. disease, your testing is done. Yeah, and you can yeah, reassure her yeah. with an incredibly, him or her, a very strong warranty, if you will, that the outcomes will be good. If the CT angiogram is positive, then the question becomes, okay, are those plaques, are those lesions actually flow limiting in a way that would mitigate towards getting them in the cath lab? And that's where you say, okay, please send that for a heart flow test. We've had the CT result already. Heart flow test comes back, and then you incorporate that to then consider, based on the lesion location, other findings on the CT, based on the FFR data, what's the best next step mm -hmm. for this patient? So then, so I mean, that, and that sounds great, and I certainly would like, to, it would be much better for me to counsel my patients ahead of time, whether it's screening for a clinical study or making sure that we understand for the risk-benefit ratio or whether bypass surgery might be indicated. Sure. You know, those discussions are phenomenally useful. It sounds like we get a lot of those tools sure. ahead of time. Where do you think the next three or four years are going to go with respect to clinical research in the area of, of heart flow? Sure. So there are a couple of things. One is with the current uh, analysis, which is now on the market, 
uh, is to continue to advance clinical science with prospective studies comparing outcomes in various subgroups of patients who come in just as you're describing and saying, okay, if you take them down this alternative pathway, which let's, you know, let's be frank, is really quite different than yep. what most yep. clinicians will do today. Let's really understand what are the implications in terms of outcomes. We do have some outcomes data already from a trial in particular called the PLATFORM trial, mm -hmm. which looked at outcomes and health economic outcomes and so forth, and it was very positive. Uh, there have been a variety of single center experiences mm -hmm. published, mm -hmm. which are always important. But going down a journey of really broad, randomized trials is the natural and intended next step. Uh, and then the second is, of course, to think how can we expand applications? Are there additional uses of the technology which may be of value, in particular for interventionalists? It's are there ways in which we can help with actual planning of the mm -hmm. procedure? So today, with our analysis, you'll have the baseline FFR data. The question would be, okay, is there a way in which you can take those data and say, well, let's consider what are the hemodynamic ramifications of different therapies, be they medical or revascular? vascularization and be able to talk with the patient about that before actually undertaking those therapeutic procedures. So that's an area that we're taking the technology. Well, that, I mean, those are great. Now, uh, let me just talk just a second about the thing that everybody really worries about is radiation. I was surprised to know that the exercise system maybes give you 16.7 millisieverts of, of radiation, which is a pretty healthy dose, even more than PCI. How does radiation exposure fit into this and what are you doing to minimize that? Sure. So great questions. The, there is, has been a real evolution in cardiac CT radiation for the better that over the last several years both through technology advances in the scanners and also through practice and the ways in which scanners the ways in which scans are gathered that have really brought down radiation exposure from CT scans most places now can do really high quality CTs for really low amounts of radiation it does vary place to place and scanner to mm -hmm. scanner but most practitioners would be able to find out pretty quickly okay what is our standard standard exposure and they'd be surprised to find it's really most often quite a bit lower than for nuclear testing and actually for diagnostic yeah, cath. Amazing. Well, Campbell, this is great. It's great seeing you again. The technology that you're working on and developing is going to be phenomenal. We're now going to get more of this at the Beth Israel Deaconess where we are. I think we're excited about incorporating this and it's just wonderful to have you here. Well, it's wonderful to see you and thank you so much, Jeff. Good. Thanks. Great.